0: Every person has a different lock. You just need to have a keychain full of different keys, and you will be able to unlock each person. That's one of those things where you learn how each person's personality is different and what it takes to keep them in line sometimes.
1: CEOs often feel stuck in the grind of scaling their business and feel like they're missing out on the best parts of life, like family, friends, or travel. On this podcast, CEOs come to take themselves and their companies to the next level. Let's dive into the Millionaire Mind with your host, Dallin Schultz. Hey, welcome back to another Millionaire Mind episode where I have some of the most
2: successful business owners sharing what motivates them to get out of bed every morning and how they elevate themselves and their companies to the next level. And once again, I've got another great guest joining us today. This gentleman, let me tell you, we had a brief conversation about a week or two ago, and uh, I had to get him on the show. And this gentleman started in the corporate world. He started in the, I guess, more of the service-based industry world and worked as a technician, worked his way up to becoming the general manager. But even though he had a good job and he had a good living, he wanted more. So he was able to take those experiences that he gained and created something even better, newer, better for him. And the people that are now working for him. So, really excited to get into his story, his journey. What you're going to get from this episode is just this service based mind and this go giver attitude that our guest has today. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest, David Giacolone. David, appreciate you joining us today.
0: Hey, Dom. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This is great, man. What an opportunity.
2: So, David, why don't you just take a few minutes and share with our listener a little bit about who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, cool, man. So, my name is Dave Jackalone, like I said, and I own Potter Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. And, you know, we're an HVAC company. We offer commercial residential HVAC service and installation. We do plumbing as well. We're a great little family-owned business. Got a good set of people working for us here. And, uh, you know, we got some exciting energy. It's great. It's a really nice setup we got going over here for sure.
2: And I'm definitely excited to get more into that because you shared a little bit with me on our call of what you've got going on there. So definitely excited to get into that. So David, let's take it back now because yeah. this business, you didn't start as an entrepreneur. You didn't start with your own business. It's, this was something you grew into. So before we really get into that transition, when would you say that this entrepreneur journey? really began for you
0: yeah so honestly it's funny my family is a family of entrepreneurs my father was the guy who owned businesses from when i was a child he started out as a printer doing um offset printing so basically what he would do is he would print you know newspapers and different flyers for people and you know on a printing company and then He realized that he could scale that out. And so he owned a bigger printing company with employees. And then the crash of printing companies happened when the computer came out and everybody was doing digital printing. So he then moved to becoming a limousine owner. He owned a limousine company. During that, he had an opportunity to own a restaurant. So he bought a restaurant. And so my father, from when I was a kid, always was doing something for himself he was always building i guess the american dream if you would call it right like he searched out that that desire to be better and to build more and to have more and that's kind of where i got it from i watched him growing up saying we could do that and my sister now owns her own business she owns you spa which is an aesthetic spa when i have this and you know it's really one of those things where we From the family start, you know, kind of guide our own ship, if you will.
2: So there's been some situations, and this kind of applied to me growing up, because starting a business is no easy feat. You and I know that, right? Some people listening to this might have those rose-colored glasses on and think it's all (laughs) sunshine and rainbows, and we know that's not the case. Were there times watching your dad going through these businesses growing up that you observed something and you're like, yeah, no, I don't want to go through that, or that seems too difficult? I don't want to say negative takeaways, but things that maybe deterred you away from jumping into starting a business immediately?
0: Oh, of course. I mean, watching my father work like crazy hours and hours, not being home, work until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, driving limousines for people, running a restaurant, driving back and forth from the restaurant, like all these things that When you're a kid, you're watching your father, you know, wake up in the morning, out the door, go to work, pop back in at dinner time, and then he's gone again, right? So in my mind, I was like, man, that guy works all the time, not realizing that that's the start of how you grow a business, right? You need to put that time in. There is no magic solution. There is no spray or pill you take. It is hard work. It is being there. It is grinding it out. And that's what he did. He did it over and over. With each one of his businesses and was successful in all of them.
2: So, uh, what David just said right there, I think is super important because we all want to get into a business and we want to hire employees and we want to delegate, right? And that's the right way to do a business. But until you've really gotten to a certain point in life and in business, a lot of us listening, a lot of you listening might be starting your very first business and you don't have a lot of capital, you don't have a lot of resources. So it's going to require a ton of sacrifice on your part. Now with time, and you'll see plenty of successful business owners doing this. With time, they figure out their own systems, their own processes. They start earning capital. Maybe they exit a business so they have more seed capital to start a new venture with, but it didn't always start that way. And a lot of them had to just get in and grind right from the get-go.
0: And you know what? That's one of the things I think that makes the journey so rewarding, right? Or makes it detrimental. There's those two, it's that dichotomy, right? It could do both things for you. It could be this like goal that you've achieved, that you finally did it because you worked so hard, or it's that thing that breaks you. And there's the difference in personalities, right? How much can you take before you either push past The fight and win, or you let it own you. You know, it's tough, it is not an easy journey, but that stuff when you watch that happen and you see somebody succeed, it's just that next level for you, right? If you could take that, store that energy, and say, That's what I want to do, then that's the next piece.
2: What an awesome example you had growing up, being able to see this. It sounds like multiple times throughout your childhood. And unfortunately, it it required a lot of time and sacrifice from your dad's part. And, but we've all been there, you know, we've all been there. And most of us listening to this right now could probably relate because we love what we do. We're energized by what we do. And we have this internal drive to just keep going, going, going. Now, fortunately for me, I've got a very good wife that helps rein me back in. Okay. and help me be be present with her, with the kids. Because if it wasn't for that, I'd be gone. I'd be doing 16, 18 hour days. No problem. Yeah. just because yep. I'm energized by it. So it can be challenging if you're listening and you have a family, you have kids, like, obviously I don't want to say balance. I don't believe in balance, but you've got to figure out how that works. Yeah. That some altogether. version of
0: time management, right?
2: Right. Exactly. So, so you had this incredible example growing up. What, Did things look like? What was that transition like as you exited childhood and got into adulthood?
0: Yeah, so my whole life, I've always been a guy that enjoyed working with my hands, doing stuff. When I was a kid, I was taking my bicycle apart. I was playing with my father's tools in the basement when he wasn't home. I was always tinkering with things. So I always knew that I had a knack for doing something that was puzzle-like, that would solve something at the end of it. I always enjoyed that kind of feeling. And so as I got older, I started dabbling in car stereo stuff and electronics and doing things like that for my friends. And so I enjoyed, I guess, at that age, I was bringing people to my house and putting car stereos in for them and charging people to do that, right? So, like, that could have been the start of my entrepreneurial journey, right there, as 16 years old, my friends driving over and me installing, you know, new head units and CD players because yeah, they used to use CD players back then, Um, you know, things like that. For my friends and speakers and amps and wiring. And I used to do it all. And I learned it on my own. I didn't go to some school. I just tinkered and figured it out and got good at it, you know?
2: And this, so is, that was, this was before... This sorry, this was before YouTube tutorials. YouTube oh yeah. This is I'm talking
0: like 96, 95. You know what I mean? I don't think I think AOL was just coming out. You're getting CDs in the mail <laughs> where you had to log your hours in. You know what I mean? Like it was where that was the time. People weren't on the internet figuring this stuff out. <laughs> so yeah, I learned that kind of on my own. And then as I grew, the opportunity came to me through a family member who worked for another HVAC company. It was like, hey, you should think about HVAC. It's a great industry. So I was working at Pontillo's actually in Arundaquai being a pizza guy. I did, you know, I was delivering pizzas. I was 17 years old. I was about to get out of high school and I was like, man, what am I going to do? So during that time, I joined the Army Reserves and then I also joined the union. I applied at Local 13, HVAC, Plumbers and Pipe Fitters Union. And I waited until I got a phone call. I went to school to learn the trade. I went to MCC Monroe Community College, did night classes while I was working at the pizzeria to learn HVAC. And then I got a phone call from local 13, the, the union to say, hey, we have an apprenticeship spot. Old. I was 19 years old. Hey, do you want to come and do it? I mean, you know, we need you to drug test next week and you're in if you pass the test. I said, okay, did it. And 19 years old, my first job was at Encore Betlam service doing HVAC service that's where it started there.
2: And what did that look like as you continued? Well, uh, first of all, what was that? Because you were working as a pizza delivery driver, which is, I worked in a pizza shop too growing up just south of you down in Honeyoy. What was that job transition like going from a pizza delivery, driving a car to something that I would imagine obviously requires a lot more skill technique. If you're working for the union, you're probably in these massive Commercial properties Absolutely. and building. What was that experience like going from what I would consider one extreme to another?
0: Yeah. So I ended up going into working for Bellum, like I said, and we uh, did all commercial industrial stuff. That's what it was. There was no residential, it was all the big stuff. So I needed that transition mentally as a pizza delivery guy, kind of what I would consider a mindless job where you just kind of did the same repetitive actions every day to something where. I was kind of held accountable for a lot of things. And as an apprentice, it's not too bad. They put you with somebody, they kind of train you up, and you do this on-the-job training, as well as going to apprenticeship school two nights a week at Local 13 for five years. So I went wow. two nights a week for five years straight to school after I already had my two-year degree from MCC, which the guy at the union basically flat out told me, I don't care what they taught you, you're going to learn our way. So over I started, right right from first year apprentice, and I went right through working with the journeyman side by side, getting that on-the-job training, getting that kind of coaching and support, but shortly after that, by the time I was second year, I was on my own, and that was a big advancement, big difference, right? A lot of pressure, a lot of, you know, you're working on big equipment for customers that are very demanding. We used to work for some very large customers, Kodak, U of R, Pillsbury, places like that, you know, one of the first jobs I did on my own was at the Pillsbury plant where they make all the pies and the cakes and all that stuff, fixing one of their units. And I was by myself and the boss handed me the stuff and said, Go get them, kid. And I was like, All right. You know, so (laughs) that's where it started. It was one of those things with me that it was but right then and there, so I'll never forget, right at first year apprenticeship class, we're sitting down, we're sitting around, and the instructor says all right, I'm going to go around the room and I'm going to ask everybody what their goal is in this industry. You get guys, lead technician, foreman, service manager. You know, I want to be a sales guy. I want this and that. They got to me and I was like, I want to own my own company. And everybody turned around and looked at me and they're like, own your own company? You don't even know how to fix an air conditioner. I'm like, I will one day. I know I don't, but I will, you know? And So that was kind of that thing. And I'll never forget that day because my buddies that sat around me all kind of chuckle still about it. They're like, man, you're the only one that said you wanted to own your own business. Everyone in this room achieved their goals. And our class of six guys that we had, everyone that said that what they wanted to do that day are doing it right now. And it's really kind of impressive. And we still get together and we still shoot the breeze about that stuff. And we laugh. It's like, that's funny kind of projection right there right that's that kind of putting it out to the a- the earth you know the ether there to say this is what i want this is what i want to do and then achieving it was really kind of a cool experience
2: i love that and i want to come back to that but you made me think of a quote when you said they all kind of chuckled at you and if people aren't laughing at your goals they're not big enough
0: right absolutely i love that that's one i love that saying cuz you're absolutely right that is one of those things where people you know, yeah, I want to be a service manager. That these are all very achievable things. Owning your own company is a special kind of risk, if you will.
2: And on that note, a follow up question because you said all your buddies achieved it, what they said they were going to do, they yep. achieved it. Yep. Looking back, do you think they self short from achieving more?
0: A lot of them were very top notch guys, and I really do. I think they probably could have done more, but they set their goal here instead of here, you know, lower instead of way higher. And again, not to just be throwing quotes out, you know, but it's like, if you shoot for the stars, you know, you might hit the moon, that kind of thing. Right. Like if you try to go as far as you can go, at least you're going to go somewhere. Right. If you set your expectation too low, Man, you don't uh, you don't set a lot of you don't put a lot of power behind that burner.
2: Just for those listening, just to be clear, I'm not saying that they made a wrong decision. Like it's incredible they set a goal. They said this oh, yeah. is what I want to achieve, and they freaking achieved it. Like that in itself, I love that. Like I got ch- when you told me that initially that yeah. we all achieved what we set out to do. It gave me chills. Yeah. Yeah. So by no means in saying that or trying to imply that they made the wrong choice, I can't help but to wonder. Did they unintentionally impose some self-limitations without realizing it? If they right. achieved what they set out to do, is it possible that if they drew a little bit bigger, they may have been able to go a little bit bigger? And maybe they didn't want to, right? right. Everybody else has a different path, and I can respect that. But it's really what you can visualize in yeah. your mind, right? If you can hold it in your head, you can hold it in your hand. That's in one of yeah. these meditations I listen to all the time and it's super neat and the mind is a powerful thing and if you could visualize something if you could desire something it's gonna happen we may not always be able to put a timeline on it but it will happen so that's super neat so what did life look like over the next few years then as you were starting this new profession also with this idea of hey i want to start my own business someday
0: yeah so wild ride man what ended up happening was like i said Got in the union, started my first job, bottom service, everything was great. 1999, 2000, 2001. Again, like I mentioned before, I joined the Army Reserves in 1999. So 2001, everybody knows what happened in 2001 in September. That kind of put everybody on their heels a little bit, right? My reserve unit activated for a brief time, but it was very quick. I went to the reserve unit. They sent us home. We didn't do anything at that point. That was kind of one of those quick like deployments. We did like a New York City kind of quick thing there, and secured that, and then they sent us home. So nothing like long term. So it was like a couple weeks. Then 2003 rolled around, and I got a phone call, and I'll never forget this day either. This is another one of those things in your brain that like you lock in everything around you when it happens, right? It was Valentine's Day of 2003. And I was on the roof at O'Connor Chevrolet fixing a unit and my phone rang and it was my first sergeant from my reserve unit. He called me and he said, saddle up, we're going to war. And I was like, what? You know, like not even thinking, I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, so just
2: out of nowhere,
0: out of nowhere. Like that was the phone call, like hands in a unit, fixing a rooftop unit in the middle of winter freezing. That's the phone call I got. And I'm like, oh boy. So I get home and we do all this stuff and I get some phone calls. So this is a Friday that following Monday I'm at Fort drum. So I get a phone call on a Friday that next Monday I'm at Fort drum getting ready to deploy to the Middle East. And I was like, wow, that is crazy. So I had to talk to my employer and they put it on hold for me. Basically there's an act that says that, you know, any service member that gets deployed, their job needs to stay in place. So when they return, they have that job still. So I told my employer about it. I showed them the orders. They were like, okay, well, good luck. We'll see you when you get back. So that's basically what happened. I did 14 months over in Iraq. We were a unit attached to the 4th Infantry Division. We were over there. It was pretty wild stuff that we did. We did a lot of convoy escorts up into the north getting food, fuel, and water up to units that were kind of in the middle of nowhere with no logistics support. So we did a lot of that stuff. I was a Sergeant E-5 during that. So I was in charge of some people. I was in charge of some sections. I had some responsibilities, which taught me a lot about how to operate in kind of stressful environments. So I come back home April of 2004, go back to my employer and say, hey, I'm home. you know, And they're like, oh, great. Well, we have this spot for you. But they didn't say it had to be the exact job. It just needs to be a job. And I was like, okay. So they put me in this like foundry fixing like equipment that was there. It was a contract they had, but it was like the worst job we could ever do. It was a metal foundry. So it was just metal dust all day long. I wasn't happy about that, but I did the job. I stayed on it. I was home. I was alive. I was happy. I was like, you know what? Whatever. Luckily, someone in the union hall asked me if I felt like I was still learning. And I said, I feel like I'm stuck in this place because the previous guy who had this job was there for five years, his whole apprenticeship and came out not knowing anything. So I was like, I really don't want to stay here. Fortunately for me, they moved me to a new company. That was the spark for my career right there. Once I moved to this new company, it took off. I started doing different work, growing. Five years later, four years later, I'm a full journeyman now. And it was great. I learned from some of the best. I learned how to work on some of the Craziest equipment you could imagine. Boilers, you could walk inside of. Chillers, the size of RPS buses. There's huge cooling and heating equipment for big facilities. And it was great. And I got very good at it. And I enjoyed it, which led me to my next opportunity. People recognize those things. When you become good at your trade, people know about it. So I got a phone call one day offering me a position as a service manager. Now, I think I was 30 years old when I got that call. It was kind of unheard of to be that young and asked to run a service company. Now, this company was much smaller when I took it over, but the service manager was retiring. The guy who they wanted to put in place didn't want the job. He was like, I just want to work. I don't want to run the place. I just want to work. So he called me. and was like, would you be interested? I was like, absolutely. I would. 100%. This is one of the guys that I knew from my apprenticeship class. He says, hey, I know you've always wanted to get out of the field and start moving up. Here's an opportunity for you. So because of that, again, that conversation we all had in that union hall, in that room, what do you want to do? I got that opportunity at a young age to move into this thing where, you know, I had just eight or nine years of actual field experience under me at that time which is pretty substantial, but I gained a lot of knowledge in those eight or nine years. I did a lot of work and learned a lot of stuff. So running a company at 31 years old was pretty wild. And I had people under me, but luckily that military training that I took taught me how to deal with subordinates and people under you and how to manage them. And that's where my first managerial experience came from was honestly the military, right? That was the base of it. You adapt it to the civilian life and then you go from there, right? And you just kind of learn what makes people tick. What are those things? It's funny. Somebody told me a long time ago when I first got into management that everybody has a lock. You just need to find the right key to unlock it, right? Like every person has a different lock. You just need to have a keychain full of different keys and you will be able to unlock each person. That's one of those things where you learn how each person's personality is different and what it takes to keep them in line sometimes, right? There's all these things that you've got to learn about your different employees. And that's really where I got that burst of managerial experience.
2: It's a really good example because we want to think that there's a master key that we can use to manage yeah, all these personalities, but yeah, there's uh, not. We all have no. different belief systems, different genetic makeup. we got different oh. upbringings, different families, different cultures. Listen, I'm going to say it again. There's no master key to people management. There's not. No. Now, you can find maybe some common themes and areas that you can try to categorize and sort people into, make it a little bit more efficient. But at the end of the day, people and oftentimes can be unpredictable. And so you've got to be on your toes and really know what it is that makes them tick. And it's not to take advantage of people. People, unfortunately, do. They figure out how people work and they can take advantage of it. It's really for the right people with the right tools and the right keys. It's to create a good environment, a win-win situation in whatever venture it is. That you're involved in. It could be athletics, it could be business, it could be so many other different things. But I'm glad you brought that up because it's a good reminder. And as you move up in business and you start acquiring clients and customers, it's managing expectations, it's managing people. Like it it doesn't go away. And that's one of the most important things and skill sets that I think any business owner, whether you're new or existing, can continually work to improve on yeah so what i want to do is i I want to transition into going from that service manager position because you ended up becoming general manager so i want to hear a little bit about that and then how that really led into you starting your company and that journey now but before we do i want to take a quick commercial break so we'll
0: be right back Hey guys, my name is Nate Hare. I'm the Executive Director at Directed IRA. Directed IRA is a company that exists to provide a solution for people that want to invest their retirement accounts, be it IRAs or old 401ks, into things like real estate or things outside of the stock market. If you want to invest your IRA or old 401k into investments like real estate, apartments, syndications, or the great investments that Rev Equity has to provide, make sure that you reach out to us. You can find our information on investwithrev.com or our website, www.directedira.com. Open a self-directed IRA and invest in alternatives today.
2: Awesome. Welcome back. So David just shared with us some of his journey within this company, and opportunities that were presented to him from people that he met years ago. Now, and just to clarify this for me and our listener, David, this wasn't an opportunity you were openly soliciting for or looking for, was it?
0: Right. No, so this was a phone call I got at, it was a Memorial. I was sitting at a Memorial Day picnic and uh, my phone rang and it was my buddy. They're probably doing the same thing. And he's like, Hey, you mind if I swing by? And he rode his motorcycle over, pulling my driveway. And we sat in my front driveway and he's like, I want you to do this job. I don't want to do it. They're giving it to me. I want you to take this job. I'll be your cheerleader. I'll walk in that door and tell him this is the guy for the job. And that's basically what happened. So I took over that service manager. And that was the start of it where I got to build my team. I got to really go in and customize that company. I got it with a few people. There were three guys and myself, right? So it was a small operation. Like I said, very small company. And I got that company with three guys at it. And when I left, there were 13. And that was in six years. That was over the time of six years being there. So I started looking at growing that team, right? And for me, success was having the right people working for me and having the right opportunities for them and growth, right? So I started building that team of people that I knew were had ambitions to grow because the ones who want to grow are going to work the hardest to show you that, right? Now, there's people who want to grow and don't want to put in the work. You recognize that very quickly. But those guys who want to grow and be better and be leaders, in the field and in the office, they are leaders, and you can recognize that no matter what. I'd like to think that's how I got recognized to be in that position by one of my colleagues, and that's something that I've always looked out for. So I hired a bunch of good guys. We got to work, and I picked out one in particular that I wanted to take my spot as the service manager because I had a deal with the owners that of the company that, as I grew this company, another layer of management will have to happen. And once I got it to that point that I would promote up to a new position that never existed there as general manager for that service division, and then bring up one of the guys that I had been grooming to do so. And that was a success for me. And within three years, we grew that company from three guys to six guys. So we doubled that company size, bringing the ability for me to say, okay, now I need to be up here so I can work with customers and do sales. And all that other stuff where I'm bringing a guy to backfill my spot. So that was that kind of first negotiation I had where it brought me from service manager to general manager. And in that world, I made relationships with people. When I became general manager, I was able to start really accelerating the growth of that business by making being a relationship guy, which I really love doing. I love going out. I love meeting people. I love talking I love finding commonalities with people and then helping to find solutions for whatever issues they have to help grow our relationship, right? Which relationships, if you don't know it already, are the biggest thing you could do in business is have relationships with people because those are the things that open doors over and over again, you know? Um, And it's huge. So one of those relationships was a person that I consider to be a very close friend right now and somebody who really changed my life for me Randy Sperling one of your previous guests he gave me this opportunity and i say that completely and i will say that a thousand times over he was the guy that opened this door for him. he has on the spot cleaners and he would take care of all of these i look him up on google and i find on the spot cleaners i was like man this is great i need somebody to come help me on a project so i call On a Friday night, I'll never forget this. I call on a Friday night and right before the end of the day. And one of his employees answers the phone because Randy is out of town. And he says, I said, I got this project for the U of R. They had a fire. I need all the ductwork cleaned. It smells. We need to get this fixed. I'm hoping you guys can help. And the employee says, you know what? Randy's out of town right now. He'll be back next week. I'll pass the message along and we'll get something figured out. Two hours later, my phone rings. And I'm like, okay, it's Randy. And this is the first conversation we have. And I'm like, hey, he's like, hey, man, I heard you got this job for the U of R. I'd love to help you out. I'm in Aruba right now. I'm like, Aruba? And I can hear the wind whistling. I'm like, are you on the beach? He's like, I'm on the beach right now. I said, why are you calling me? He goes, because business never stops. Right. And I'm like, man, right there. Like it hits me in the face. I'm like, wow. This is the kind of guy I want to have a relationship with because he's got that same mentality as me. I answer my phone no matter what 24/ 7 parties, family things it's a curse for me but I feel like if I answer that phone, that next opportunity is going to be there and you never know when that phone rings Now people are always like you got to disconnect you've got to spend time with your family you've got to shut that off and that's that I do not now, not yet. you know what I mean I will. We're growing and the world's changing so i need to be available right so that's randy calls teaches me this kind of first light lesson in how a business owner works and i'm like man this is wild he's like i'll get with you when i get back we'll look at the job i said this is fantastic so he comes back he calls me we meet on this job site we look through it and we get all this stuff done and he's you know we're outside the parking lot talking and we're just grooving, man. Him and I are just, bam, 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 bam. We just got all the things right. Like, him and I just connect, right? It's this synergistic, like, crazy, like, bromance that immediately happens between the <laughs> two of us. Like, we, like, fell in love with each other, right? We're like, this is amazing. Like, you're like me, but over there, you know? And it was, like, this really cool, like, feeling that him and I got. And... From there on, I would stay in touch with him, and we'd go have lunch, and we'd talk business, and we'd talk about plans and how things went. And So one day, we go to lunch, and we're talking, and I say, hey, he's like, so what do you want to do? What are your goals with the company? Like Here it is again, right? That question, what are your goals, right? And I say to myself, man, what I want to do with this company is I've already grown it substantially. I want to open up a residential division. I wanna start doing we do commercial and industrial work and it's great, but I'm in the middle of this area where there's nobody doing residential. I was out in Ambon. I was like, Man, we could clean up out here. Like we could next big company out here. We go him and I go back and forth and talking and kind of business plans. And he's like, do me a favor, write out a business plan and just present it to me and I'll look it over and we'll go from there, you know? And I'm like, cool. So I tell him about it and he's like, This is awesome. You should tell the owners about this. You're good, you're gonna love it. They're gonna love it, they're gonna hit it. So I go to the ownership of the company and I present this and I hear nothing for weeks and weeks and months and months from the ownership, nothing. And I call, I email, I'm like, Hey guys, you know, just following up on this, like this is a powder keg out here. We could really get going. Like this could really blow up for us and we could be big. But one of the contingencies I put in that plan was I wanted part ownership of that division of the business. If I'm going to grow, I've grown your business. I showed you what I can do. I've proven to you, I have the skill set to grow and be profitable. Now I want to do it again, but something totally different that I brought on. So I want a piece of this. So finally, I push it, I push it, I push it. I don't hear anything. Randy, I get another big job from U of R again. So I call Randy up and he's like, all right, cool. And we're walking through this job and I can see Randy is not super focused on the job. He's looking at it, he's making notes, and he's like, you want to get coffee after? I'm like, yeah, I guess, you know. So we get all this thing done, we shoot across the street, we go sit down and have coffee. And he says to me, this is a Tuesday morning. He says to me, hey, want to buy an HVAC company with me? And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I got a friend who wants to sell. I don't know how to spell HVAC. He goes, you do. Let's do this together. And I'm like, man, what an idea. Like, this is a Tuesday morning. Like, my brain's not like I'm like this. How does this happen on a Tuesday? You know, again,
2: another opportunity that just presented itself that you weren't looking for. I don't want to ruin the momentum here, but I've got to touch on this because I didn't do it earlier. Going back to when the first opportunity came for you to be the service manager that you weren't looking for. One thing that I've got to point out is that you were working a job. You were in the trenches. You were doing something that you didn't care to do. Like you, right. you, you, went out. You served for fourteen months. Came back home, and they're like, "Uh, yeah, here, here's just kind of like crap job for you." It's kind of yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah. And you're like, "All right, it's not ideal, but I'm grateful for this opportunity." And you went to work, and because you were just focused on doing the best job you could, even if the situation wasn't ideal, people noticed that and it continued to open up doors for you. And just, I'm recognizing this pattern in your story, and I had to bring it to light to make sure that our listener could recognize that as well. So, okay, go ahead. Jump into the second opportunity that just presented itself with Randy.
0: Yeah, so like I said, Randy says to me, hey, do you want to buy this HVAC company? I'm like, man, I don't know. You know. That's a big risk. It's always been my dream. He's like, I know. You told me this already. You gave me the business plan. I saw it already. We could do this, man. Like this could be ours. This could be ours. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. I was married at the time. I consulted with my former wife and she was like, yeah, if that's what you want to do, do it, you know? And it's funny. She made a statement. Like, she's like, wait a minute. Someone offered you to buy a business on a Tuesday morning. Like that, that's wild. I'm like, yeah, I know. But I'm like, why isn't any time a good time? You know? Like she's yeah. like, ah, oh, that's just weird. Like, me and Randy always joke like, Hey, we bought a business on a Tuesday morning. Like that happens, right? Like it's anytime. So we do it right. So this is early in the stages of it. This is probably 2017. Yes. 2017, like October, November 17. And him and I are just in the background. I'm still at LMC doing my thing because it's going to be months before. And I stayed on that, never slowing up, never slowing down with them. And staying dedicated to my business, because I didn't know if this thing was going to go through, if it wasn't going to go through. At this point, it was him and I just kind of figuring things out. So it was months of planning. But, you know, I just want to touch on one thing uh, that, that I say a lot to people with business. There's two ways to have a business, right? You either start from the bottom and take the risk. Both of these involve risk. You take the risk of being the one-man band, right, the the guy in the truck doing all the work, building the clientele piece by piece, bit by bit, and really slugging it out, or you get an opportunity like we did. Now, with an opportunity like I got comes a very large monetary risk there because you're not just going and doing a job anymore. Now you're taking on loans of Astronomical portions, money that people typically don't even think about, right? That you're like, whoa, I'm on the hook now for something with six zeros after it. You know, that's that's a lot of money that like so there's two risks, right? There's the risk of trying to build it from nothing and doing that, or there's the risk of taking it and putting all that on your shoulders at once and going, Here we go. Now I have eight employees a building seven or ten vans and all this stuff. So that's what we chose to do, right? And with the guidance of Randy, who already had owned a business on the spot cleaners for as long as he has, which was incredibly successful at the time, he found that he now had an opportunity to do something else. And that something else was partnering with me to do this thing with potter heating and cooling. So we hammered it all out and we went and got it all figured out. So February of 2018, we officially started our business which was actually veterans hvac llc that was our partnership him and i and that was the business we formed to purchase potter's assets and all their employees and all their phone number and all their stuff and it really worked out to be a dream for us you know with randy's guidance in business and my knowledge of hvac and the leadership that i had and building a good team and kind of moving in directions that we worked out very well together him and i were a dream team we were a great partnership we both had good relationships with people the business flourished right out of the gate just from us taking it over and kind of bringing it a new light to it it had been around for over 25 years at that point in the Canadago and surrounding areas but it was a very i don't want to say mediocre but just very like Quiet business. It just did its thing. It made money. It was always good. People knew it. It had a very good following in the area. But outside of here, they did not know who Potter was. That was something we aimed to change. And that really has been my goal since then is really growing this business. Back in 2020, right after the pandemic, Randy and I had an agreement when we bought this business, we were going to do a five year exit plan for him. I was going to take it over in five years. Well, we made the business so profitable that within two and a half years, I was able to pay Randy's money that he put into it back with then some and release him from the partnership so he can go on and do the next thing that he does. And wow. it was beautiful, man. It was the dream realized for me. Like it was the things that came to fruition that him and I had dreamed about, that I had dreamed about sitting that day in that chair with all my friends at that union hall saying, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to own a business. Now, believe me, there is nothing short of stress and focus and hard work that you need every day to be able to deal with that. But man, what a dream it's been to be a person that can now afford people around me a better life, the opportunity to have good things the opportunity to have a good career the opportunity to provide for their families and themselves and help the community out as best i can and it's really been great it really has so that's, that's
2: incredible you know, yeah and how long had it been from the time you made that comment in that room in your apprenticeship until the time yeah. that you bought that business what was that time frame like
0: 19 years
2: 19 years
0: 19 years
2: I made this comment earlier. I'm going to make it again. It's not a matter of if, it's when you achieve your goals. And again, I want to point this out. David knew he was going to start a business someday. I would like to assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you weren't waking up every day stressed out of how am I going to buy a business? How am I going to start a business today? You were head down, working, just doing the best that you could. And these opportunities just started presenting themselves.
0: Yep. That's exactly how it went. It was a piece that I couldn't look away from. These things, every time something new came up, I just thought, this is the next advancement. This is the next step up that ladder. Like, this is the next rung in the ladder I need to take to move forward, you know? And it was, yeah.
2: So, what advice would you give to that business owner that's really trying, grinding day in, day out to accelerate that timeline or to accelerate that dream?
0: Yeah. So man, really, you know, it's cliche and it's one of the things that Randy used to say to me that made me, every time he said it, I would like cringe a little bit because he was right. And it was scary, but you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's next, but all you can do is keep educating yourself on your trade and your positioning and everything you do with your business. And those opportunities, as they come, you need to be able to recognize those opportunities. You need to be able to see this is the next thing. Being afraid to take those risks or do those different things that are outside of that comfort zone for you is the hindrance that's going to keep you from growing. So if you're working at it and you're grinding away and you're doing your thing and you don't think anything's ever going to happen, you just got to be positive and keep saying to yourself, This is what's going to happen. This is where I'm going to go. This is what's 19 years later. Here it is. Right. But it didn't happen yesterday. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen that, you know, it was just a flash that you have to recognize that. So you don't know what you don't know. And that is one of the things that scares me every day, but also encourages me to grow and to learn more and to keep diving into business because, Even though it's an HVAC company, this could be a widget company. doesn't matter what it is. You have to learn the basics of business. And once you do that, you can apply those principles to anything. And then you learn about scaling that thing. And that's where it really starts to turn off for you. And, man, six years ago, almost six years ago now, five and a half years ago, we started this thing together. I'll tell you, I know a lot more now about business than I did then. This was such a learning experience and so many slaps in the face and so many like sleepless nights and so many like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And then at the end of it, it all becomes apparent that once you know there's something else down the road, you don't know, but be prepared to recognize it and accept it.
2: It's a part of that process and a part of that journey And one thing I want to point out, too, is you had the stream of starting a business. And in the first year or two of not starting a business, you didn't jump ship and try some other venture. You've been 19 years in the HVAC industry. You know this industry inside and out. And that, because you were a master in a skill, in an area, in an industry, that's what opened up opportunities for you. And I feel like too many people, especially when they're starting out... They're looking for that quick hit. They're looking for that quick fix in business and they're not getting it. So then every year or two, they're jumping ship. They're trying something new and then they wonder why nothing takes off. It doesn't happen overnight. You need to be known as that person in that industry and opportunities will present themselves. So David, this has been incredible and we're coming up on time here. So as we start wrapping this up... What's next? What's next for you and your company? Where are you guys heading?
0: Well, I'll tell you what, we've got a lot. We're really growing in the the commercial HVAC area. That's something I'm putting a lot of focus on right now. And the next piece for us is, I think once we get that commercial thing, which we've already got a good start on, because again, that's my background and I've hired some people that understand it as well. So they're doing good things for us there. Plumbing is the next piece we want to really expand into. We have some good customers that we do plumbing for but i want to talk about bigger stuff uh more intricate plumbing projects and we're going to start pushing that in our business but again i keep going back to randy because he is a person of of insight to me you know he we got talking the other day and he says hey you know just because things are going good doesn't mean you need to go do something else now just enjoy it sit back that's for a powerful minute that was one of those things he said i did too much of that i always was looking for the next thing now i'm just sitting back and enjoying what i have don't rush into something new enjoy what you've grown and enjoy the beauty of what you have you know and that really is it meant a lot to me when he said that i was like man that's for real you know
2: that's powerful and that goes back to the importance of being present because if you're yeah. enjoying what you've created and what you've accomplished that's you being present in the moment and as entrepreneurs it's so easy for us to be such, so forward-thinking. We're living in the future. Like, what's next? What's that next venture? What's the next way to scale? Yeah. And oftentimes, it, we don't take time to appreciate what we've done and what we've yeah. accomplished. So, yeah. well, this has been incredible. And as we wrap up, there's four questions I like to ask every guest at the end of the show. And the first one being, what is one absolute book recommendation for those looking to scale and further develop their millionaire mind?
0: Absolutely. So... A book that really kind of changed things around for me from that technician mindset and being a technician owner to being an owner owner was a book called The E-Myth Revisited. I don't know if it's a book that's been spoke of before or if anybody's heard of that book, but The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber is a phenomenal piece of literature that really shows you the difference between being an entrepreneur and being a technician that owns a business big difference. So yeah, that would
2: be the That's an incredible book. Great recommendation. So what has been one of your favorite quotes that you've embodied and lived by?
0: So again, army guy myself, an army ranger named Matt Best. People may know him. He's a wild man. He wrote a book that called Scars and Stripes. Amazing book. In that book, he wrote, he said something that I have written on my whiteboard in my office and I read all the time. And it is We're all given the same rope. We can either climb to the top, swing to the next opportunity, or hang ourselves with it. So that thing kind of presents that. It's that opportunity thing, right? It's that I tie it to that. Everyone's presented opportunities. It's what you do with those opportunities that change your projection in life.
2: That's powerful. So if there was one thing that you could share with fellow business owners that are beginning or simply trying to get to that next level... What is it? What's the biggest lesson that David has learned over these past 19 years?
0: Surround yourself with people that are better than you. If you are the top dog in that room, you're in the wrong room. So learn from the people around you. Surround yourself with successful people, like-minded people that want those goals, that want to achieve that growth. And you will learn just through osmosis from those people on how to be better at what you do. There is no magic pill to it. You just need to learn and implement those. Things. And that really is it. Just surround yourself with good quality people.
2: To our listener, what you don't realize is David just shared the secret sauce as to why I started this podcast. It's so I could surround myself with very, <laughs> very successful people. But if I'm going to have these conversations anyways, why not present them to you why not open it up to those that want to listen as well listen the reason you're listening to the show and listening to david and i is because there's something about our conversation about the show that resonates with you And, and my hope is that you could take something away from our conversation today well david this has been incredible how can listeners learn more about you and and what you do
0: so yeah, so you can visit our website at potterhvac.com or on Facebook at potterhvac. Listen, if you want to reach out and have a conversation, you can direct message me right on the Facebook page and I'll uh, I'll respond. And I receive every one of those messages myself personally. So I would love to, if people need any advice or want to sit down and, and talk or, or anything, man, I'm, I'm always available for that. and I love helping people grow their businesses.
2: That's incredible. Especially if you're considering an HVAC company, hit David up. Super cool, dude. And I know you guys have already figured that out through this conversation. But look, this has been absolutely incredible. And if this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you tuned in. People have been asking me what my company does. So since I have you here listening to my show, I'll share that with you now. My company partners with busy professionals just like David that are looking to experience significant tax savings, have more to invest, and even reinvest their hard-earned capital. And we work with other successful business owners like you by offering them opportunities to invest alongside us in large apartment deals. At Rev, we found that most successful business owners have a strong desire to give and serve. And we simply provide the vehicle to enable them to grow and preserve their wealth so they can give up their time and financial success more abundantly and freely. If you've been wanting to get involved in apartment investing, but have been too busy to figure out where or how to start, then you can find out how I could serve you by visiting investwithrev.com and schedule a quick 15-minute discovery call. A lot of people like me think that you need millions of dollars to invest in these apartments. And I'm here to tell you that is not the case. And you could likely get started today and it could be overwhelming vetting the right investment and the right operator. But at Rev, we make apartment investing easy. David, again, man, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your incredible story. And I, It's been a pleasure. It really has.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much for the opportunity, man. I really enjoyed it. It was great getting to meet you, getting to talk with you. I've heard such good things about you and your company that I was very excited to be a part of this.
2: I appreciate that. And to our listener, remember, you can't have a million-dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. So go out there, earn your win for today, and we'll catch you on the next episode.
1: Hope you got value from this episode of The Millionaire Mind, a journey into the mindset of successful business owners. If you want to get results, you've got to take the right steps to get there. Dallin hosts a free weekly educational webinar focused on teaching you how to start investing in apartments so you too can experience the benefits of real estate ownership without doing any of the heavy lifting. There you can gain insights, connect with others like you, and ask Dallin all your burning questions about how you can start owning apartments today. Go to themillionairemind.us. That link is in the show notes.